0: Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I am Tim Peterson, Senior Media Editor at Digiday.
1: And I'm Kaylee Barber, Senior Reporter.
0: Kaylee, this week you had the interview and you talked with Sherry Backstein, a Global Head of Watson Advertising and the Weather Company at IBM. So, um, IBM, the weather company, there's a lot of data there. Also, weather company is a media business, so I imagine first-party data came up in this conversation because I feel like it's coming up in every single conversation these days.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, their approach to first-party data is kind of interesting. Like I think a lot of first-party data strategies at publishers is very contextually focused. Theirs is AI backed, so it's very kind of like interesting on how they are using their first party data to inform campaigns it's to the point where like they're tapping into the weather channels forecasts like 15 days ahead and they're using that to inform the kind of campaigns that run on their sites so um like we we get into it obviously in way more detail and sherry can explain it way better than i can but it's interesting because it's like it's going to be a cold front in the midwest so maybe uh one of their clients wants to really you know hammer home that they are, uh, you know, selling soup, you know, like things like that. It's it's pretty interesting how they have taken their approach. And um, then also IBM is using that to, um, like, use that first-party data strategy and, like, take that to other publishers, like, license out that, that technology. Um, so it is, I think, an interesting strategy. Uh, we get into it a lot. But yeah, first-party data is a big part of this conversation for sure
0: and so in addition to the advertising business they have a subscription business is that subscription business which like people can then pay for the app and get an ad free experience is that having any impact on the advertising business
1: yeah sherry said that it's not currently cannibalizing the advertising business at all and i think that's partially due to the fact that they just have like an obscene amount of views uh, monthly um so yeah, it's, it's not seemingly having an impact, but we do talk about, um, you know, obviously diversification is important. Um, being completely ad-based is kind of a, a dangerous game, I'd say, right now in the media industry. So um, we do talk about how they launched their subscription and um, how they're planning on expanding it um, this coming year. So it's definitely a way to diversify, and it doesn't seem to be impacting their ad business at all. So, uh, But yeah, we get into that, obviously, more as well.
0: No further ado, Kaylee and Sherry talking about first-party data subscriptions and more. Kaylee, take it away.
1: Welcome to the podcast, Sherry. Hi, Kaylee. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Um, So I think it would be great to kick off the conversation by talking about first-party data, um, which is a really you know, important conversation. Um, The day that we're recording is the day that Google announced that it will um, no longer be using selling ads based on uh, tech that tracks users across the internet. Um, So we're getting closer and closer to the cookie apocalypse. Um, But I wanted to talk about your first party data strategy and and how that fits into the Weather Channel's um, advertising business. Um, You know, I guess, can you talk about what your first party database kind of looks like? Is it, um, you know, a, a proprietary tech stack? And, you know, how does that kind of fit into your uh, advertising business?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So I think it'd be important for me to kind of set the landscape of my business because there's really three components. So first, um, there's the very large O platform. So the weather channel, um, super sticky since we offer weather um, and it's pervasive. And so, you know, we access, um, we have access to a lot of first-party data through that platform. And then coming off the o we have the ads business um, and we're working with our customers and marketers there. And then third, we have the off-property aspect of our advertising business, which is called Watson Advertising. Uh, and this is where we are creating ad tech solutions that are rooted in AI that are not dependent on identifiers or cookies. So when I look at the first party uh, data strategy from the publisher perspective, so from the Weather Channel perspective, for me, it the strategy really comes down to a value exchange with the consumer. So the consumer is the cornerstone of the business and really is the center of that. So as a publisher, um, you know, what value am I giving to our consumers in exchange for their data? That's really important. So in my case, I provide very valuable weather data and forecast. And exchange, users give data uh, in order for us to deliver that service. So they're giving us a little bit of data about themselves, like their location. Um, And so it's really um, that data so we can provide that information to them. And so that's how we have that value exchange with our user. And that's how we create that first-party data. So I feel as a publisher and really the job of every publisher uh, you know, within the media organization is to give consumers data, not take it from them. And so that data exchange has to be meaningful for both parties in order to establish that trust and transparency. And so that is what our first party data strategy is rooted in.
1: Um, you mentioned location. I feel like localized um information that like localized data that you say you're giving back to the consumer. um, I feel like that is probably, I guess, is that the most important um, piece of data that you're getting from, you know, your audience, like where they're located at? Like, is that something that your advertisers are, you know, particularly interested in um, when they're coming to you for their ad buys?
2: So, you know, we're really unique in the sense that actually the weather data uh, is actually the most important data that we see to our advertisers. Being able to apply that to a location um, is as important as well. And so we do that with our users' consent around their location. Um, And so, you know, because weather can have so many… meanings and can really result in interesting consumer behavior around weather. Um, and so that's important. And, and certainly for endemic advertisers who um, products are dependent on weather, um, having that information is critically important. So so we offer a very unique data set in weather alone, but then you're right, there is other first-party data and it can be um, based on location, but it also can be used based on user behavior while on their platform. So what do those users interact with, um, you know, within, you know, the website or within the app um, can also be first party data and, and you can infer or, um, you know, develop probabilistic data um, out of those actions.
1: Okay. So that's really interesting. Um, that kind of combination of expecting a, like a storm, maybe with, you know, um, someone's location in, you um, I guess, recently in, like, Texas, for instance. Like, I guess, does that tie into, uh, I don't know, I'm curious, like, can you give some examples? Because in my mind, I'm like, okay, maybe, like, a a snowblower manufacturer is going to be, you know, really eager to um, promote their products during, like, a winter storm. Um, But you also mentioned, like, consumer behavior changes based on weather as well. So could it be someone like, you know, Campbell Soup is like, really eager to sell their um, soup products when it's cold out? Like, I guess, how do those kind of data sets work to drive certain sales?
2: Yeah, so this is what I think is so exciting about uh, data um, and applying AI to data, uh, which is what we do. So we've developed um, weather targeting signals. Um, And so exactly what you said, do certain brands um, sell their products when certain weather You know, impacts are happening. Um, And it can be just as easy as humidity, maybe where humidity is high. We have found in certain parts of the country, um, certain levels of humidity may make bugs hatch. And so, when bugs hatch, then someone that needs, you know, bug spray, um, those, you know, stores can make sure they have a lot of bug spray on hand. So, there's a lot of great insights that when you apply AI, and especially um, when you apply AI in retail data, you can find these really interesting insights um, that help to deliver, you know, information on when products may sell um, and when they're more likely to sell around that consumer behavior. So it's a really great example of how you can marry your first party data with other trusted data in the marketplace, like a retail data to deliver insights for marketers. And we have Lots of examples like that. There are marketers who, you know, their products do sell better when it's hot or when it's cold, and those are the obvious things. But then there are things like the humidity that are not so obvious. Um, And then certainly weather can be applied to um, health conditions. So it can, um, you know, increase the symptoms of certain health conditions. Uh, We've also done studies where health can be related to people's mood. So, um, you know, people might go into a different mood when there's different weather outside um, and different buying behaviors. And so it's really interesting, you know, to take that data and apply AI uh, to those data sets to deliver these insights.
1: That's super fascinating to me um, and I'm curious because obviously weather patterns change so um, quickly and are you know, very dependent on where people are located. Um, how much of your ad sales are done maybe like programmatically or um, and how much I guess are direct sold because it to me it seems like this would be a very quick, you know, fast-paced kind of... Um, dealing, right? Like it could be sunny one day and then be super foggy the next. And I'm I'm curious, like, how does that lead into the actual like operations of making ad sales?
2: Yeah, that's that's a really great question. There's a couple of facets of that. Um, So weather data can be applied to both programmatic and to direct sales. Um, And so, you know, the weather data can be found in DSPs and different partners. And so, you can apply these triggers um, and these insights, you know, to your campaigns through, you know, your DSP. Um, And so, you can do it programmatically or you can do it from a direct um, perspective. So, you know, that's certainly, um, you know, the way that most advertisers are using that data. But then also advertisers can look at historical data and they can uh, combine it with their own data um, And come up with their own insights um, and and do that on their own, applying their own data science. And so that's available from, you know, because AI really is looking at historical data to then see what the trends are. And then from those trends, can we actually go down to predictions? And so you certainly can do the real-time weather scenarios that you were speaking of. But also because we are a weather forecaster, we can then take that data and go 15 days out. And you can then create using AI something that's predictive. Um, and so in the case of an example, we we have a CPG brand that sponsors our flu uh, section of our weather app. And we are actually predicting the risk of flu out 15 days. So that gives that partner an opportunity to make sure that the, you know, the stores are stocked with their, you know, flu medications um, and gives them, you know, a little bit of a, a runway to understand of when flu might be prevalent in certain areas of the country. So like you said, it can be very powerful either in real time when it's happening. Um, and so it's it's sunny right now. So then you know maybe you want to go, you know, buy some ice cream um, or what's coming in the days ahead. Um, and that's, you know, I uh, really important.
1: Okay. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm curious, does this kind of, um, well, I, I, I guess I'm wondering, cause like you, uh, mentioned you have, um, the O and O, like the weather channel, um, like TV network or the the tv channel um but you also have the app and you have your website um so from like the publisher side of things um does this kind of ai uh first party data strategy does that work across each of those platforms or is i guess like tv buying i feel like usually takes a little bit longer to program um so i'm curious like does it also work on that platform as well just
2: to clarify so um the the weather company owned by IBM is the digital side of the weather channel. So only the website and the apps, Um, the weather channel TV network, which is our partner is owned, um, by Byron Allen and, and his, um, you know, Company. Um, But let me answer that question for you because I think it's a really good question. Because I think as we're looking for solutions in the ad tech space, solutions that can go across platforms um, are you know, extremely important because we're all kind of facing these challenges around privacy um, and around identifiers, certainly more in the digital economy, but now you have streaming uh, and OTT, which a lot of um, television networks are turning to. And so having products that can go across platforms is really important. Um, and we certainly are working on making sure that the products that we're using um, you know, can deliver for our customers that want to run it on OTT or CTV, um, as well as if they want to run it in an app or a website.
1: Got it. So um, just to clarify, you aren't doing the advertising side of things for the um, the TV channel. You're like a maybe it's like a licensing deal but you're not actively selling for um for the TV channel. Yeah,
2: the Weather Channel TV is a totally different company.
1: Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Um good to clarify that. So I'm also wondering about you mentioned a variety of um, examples for advertising and you I think you mentioned CPG and and pharmacy, uh, pharmaceutical um but I am curious, like the types of advertisers that you work with, does it really like run the gamut because you have um, such like a, a unique look at user behavior and maybe when, like you mentioned the example of it's sunny. So maybe someone wants to buy ice cream. Like, Do you work with like, I don't know, buyer's ice cream brand because those user behaviors are so unique um, that you are able to tap into or who's your kind of advertising set?
2: There's two things really there. So one, we have a really large audience. And so in February, 430 million active users in the month. So we have a really, a lot of scale for advertisers. And, you know, what's interesting about weather is everyone cares about the weather, right? Everybody needs the weather. So we have a really broad audience that most marketers can find their target audience within our audience. Um, And so that's very valuable, um, you know, to a marketer, to an advertiser. So we do have advertisers across most verticals because to be honest, every company needs a weather strategy um, and every company um, is impacted by weather at at one point or another. And so, um, you know, whether they want to use our ad tech solutions and use some of that weather targeting information, or they want to actually advertise on our platform, we really offer both spectrums um, to marketers and advertisers.
1: We're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor. Then we'll be right back. And I also want to talk about um, your app as well because I actually uh, got a press release from um, your team earlier this week about um, the subscriptions business that was kind of added in last year. And I wanted to talk a little bit about how that fits into um, the overall Strategy, a business strategy, but then also how that kind of influences the advertising strategy as well. Um, Can you talk about the introduction of the subscription model and how that fits into um, or maybe has helped diversify the Weather Channel's business diversification uh, this past year?
2: Yes. So, you know, with the Weather Channel, you know, we offer this valuable data to everyone around the globe and they're forecasting data, weather data, that has to be underwritten um, in some way, right? So we can offer the free data to our customers and in return, um, you know, they see advertising, right? Um, And so it's worked like that in traditional media for decades, right? But for those consumers who don't want to see advertisements, we have the other alternative where they can underwrite that information through a subscription, um, and so we started that business about 18 months ago, um, and we found that there is certainly a percentage of our consumers that are very interested in the subscription um, side of the business. Now, the subscription side of the business, outside of not having advertisement, um, it also you know, provides some more in-depth types of features um, as well, because um, we are asking people you know, to pay for that um, and so it's it's been a really good um, diversification of our business. Um, and I do feel in this day and age having a diverse monetization strategy for a digital platform is really the smart thing to do um, because we do have pressures around privacy legislation, uh, you know, the changes with the big tech. Um with cookies and identifiers going away. Um, and so for me, it was the right thing to have a diversification strategy and subscriptions um, you know, seem to be the right move for us and is proving to be that as well.
1: Yeah. can you talk about how large your subscription base is? because I think you mentioned you had in one month over four hundred million visitors to the site. Um, can you talk about how many subscribers you have and um, I guess, what your goals are? Like, do you hope that eventually the subscription model will be, you know, an equal contributor of revenue as the advertising model? Or um, I'm curious about some of your goals there.
2: Yeah. So today we are approaching 1 million subscribers. um, And so we think that 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 has been very successful because we we look at some other publishers in the space, it's taken them four to five years to, to get to that volume um, that we've attained in about 18 months. Uh, The bulk of that actually happening last year, believe it or not, um, with everything going on in the world. Um, And so, you know, that's very good progress. You know, we, we are hoping, um, you know, that we can, uh, you know, double our business this year. and, and I think at some point you're going to hit a threshold of, you know, people don't want to subscribe. They want, they want to keep, you know, getting the free service, which is fine. We're, we will always offer both um, because I do feel, and, and there's components of weather that should always be free, um, especially alerts because it is our, our mission to keep people safe. Um, and so, but I think eventually there is a ceiling that you'll hit um, what that ceiling will be. Um, you know, we have ideas around that, but it's really, I think, really early for us. Um, you know, to to really be thinking about that. As you know, we have rolled out subscription on our apps. We will be rolling it out to um, our web properties as well, um, and then we also have another. Um, consumer platform with weather underground, so I think there's a lot of opportunity for us, um, and really interested to see um, you know how consumers react to it and if this is something that consumers want.
1: Yeah, interesting. I was going to ask if it was um, exclusive to the app um, or if you were moving the subscription product over to the website. So that's that's interesting to note. Um, are you? I guess like because. It's an ad free experience for subscribers. Um, has that impacted your ad sales at all? Like, are your um, advertisers upset that there's you know almost a million people that they aren't reaching any longer, or um, have you not really noticed that?
2: Yeah, so we haven't seen a, a cannibalism happening uh, between our paid product and our free product. Um, there's mm-hmm. there's plenty of inventory for our advertising partners. Um, you know, on the free platform. I mean, when you look at it, you know, if you think about 430 million versus a million, um, you know, it's a really small percentage of the population right. to date that's a subscriber. So there's there's ample inventory for our partners um, and, and the right inventory as well.
1: So you did mention that there is some additional um, data or um, uh whether facts I'm not really sure what the additional stuff is that you are offering to um, paid subscribers but can you talk about some of that like value trade-off there because you mentioned that there is a, a data trade-off that needs to happen on the advertising side of things when you're looking at first party relation first party data collection and um, relationships but can you talk about that kind of um, data exchange on the subscription sides and, and what you are you know willing to make paywalled but versus what you're willing to only keep um, free to access? Yeah,
2: so we've taken a really agile approach in our subscription business. We've done a lot of test and learn um, and a lot of experimenting. And we've actually talked to a lot of our users, um, asking them, you know, is this something that they would pay for? And, and what would they want to pay for? What, what is something that maybe is unique um, that they would be interested in? And a lot of the people that are interested in subscriptions, they want more data. Um, and that doesn't always work for the common person that just wants to figure out, is it going to rain today or, or on my weekend? But there are people out there that do want um, more like interactive map data. They it to go out more hours. They want more hourly data. Uh, so we've provided that to them. So everything that we're doing is based on our consumer research. Uh, and understanding what they're interested in. Um, You know, one of the other areas they're very interested in, because we have an editorial team um, that covers all of our severe weather and and creates a lot of editorial, um, whether it's happening the weather today or as it maybe relates to climate change. And there are a subset of people that are really interested in talking to a meteorologist or, um, you know, to really getting more in-depth content. And so we are looking at that as another feature that we may roll out um, this year as well. So it's, um, you know, some of the features I think would you would consider more for a niche audience, um, not maybe for the general audience. Um, It would be more information than they would really care for or or they would need in order to plan their day. Um, But those are some of the things that, that we do for the subscribers.
1: I'm wondering if, maybe at all, like, I know that there's been some pretty severe weather, um, happening this past winter, um, you know, looking at Texas in particular, um, I'm curious, like, when it, or even in the Northeast, when, um, there was, like, three weeks of just, like, Pretty regular snowfall. Um, do you find that those instances of severe weather patterns do those drive subscriptions at all? Like people wanting to learn more or see some of those interactive maps to, you know, know what to fully expect when maybe a weird occurrence for them.
2: Yeah, so that that's definitely a great question, and um, yes, the answer. Uh, we see not only do we see a spike in traffic; people want to stay. Uh, you know, abreast of what's happening. But we have also seen uh, an influx in subscription um, during that time as well. You know, consumers do want the more advanced map or they're looking for more data um, so they can make plans. And, you know, a lot of people uh, use our app um, and they have a lot of different jobs. A lot of small business owners use our app. Um, you know, to help with their businesses as well as just everyday consumers as well. Um, and so people look at it for a lot of different reasons. Um, you know, when travel, uh, when we were all traveling a lot, mm-hmm. um, obviously people used it a lot for that purpose. Um, not so much these days, but uh, hopefully we're, we're starting to get back to that. Um, but yeah, we definitely see subscriptions spike uh, during this period, just as much as we see, you know, our, our normal traffic spike. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's an increase in both areas.
1: I wanted to go back to uh, first-party data and um, talk more about the um, the AI portion of your first-party data strategy. Um, is that technology that was built, like, I, I imagine it was probably built in-house, um, but can you talk about, like, how long it took to develop that strategy and and that ability to have that really unique, like, Um, data correlation that you're able to sell to advertisers? Like how long did that process take um, to really get up and going?
2: So we have been working on our AI ad tech solutions um, for about 18 months now. You know, we we saw the trend coming with cookies going away. And then of course, you know, Apple made its announcement last summer. Um, And we really looked at it that in order for our industry to transform, we didn't need to have solutions that replace the cookie um, or just another version of the cookie. We really need something that was transformational that was going to be the long game. And so because IBM has a rich history of using AI to transform other industries like finance and um, insurance, cybersecurity, we felt like AI could also be that transformational part uh, for advertising. And so we wanted to leave the charge with that. Um, and so we've actually created a suite of solutions. Um, it's not just one solution. Um, so it's not meant to be a point solution. It's meant to be um, solutions that whatever the marketers need is. So if a marketer needs a, you know, real time, predictive, creative solution, we would have that if a marketer was needing attribution. So could they accurately measure, uh, where they were spending their money uh, and the performance of their campaigns, we would, could have that. Um, also, social, you know, AI is helping um, brands and marketers sync up with the right influencer for their brand. Um, so, we've really created a suite of these AI tools. And we think it's important. And we think that this is um, a technology that will last. And so, I'll give you kind of an example um, around. Uh, kind of AI versus the cookie and and why we think it's powerful. So, um, if I look at my business, right, weather and say, I just did the weather based on cookies. I would only ever be able to give a user historical information about the weather trends that happened in the past. Right. Um, and so, you know, I could look at today, right, Kaylee, and I could say, okay, I can tell you the weather today and I can tell you what happened 30 years ago. And it's interesting, right? Um, But is it really useful to you, right? Or is it when I tell you what's going to happen tomorrow, what's going to happen for the weekend or a week out, where it's really, that's information that's really useful for you. And so it's the same thing with, um, so that's how the cookie would be applied to weather. But when you take AI, and so we take all this massive weather data, uh, data from like 100 different models, we apply AI to it then we can tell you what's happening right now we can tell you what's happening in the next hour or we can tell you what's happening in the next two weeks um, and being predictive and so it's the same thing with advertising cookies only told advertisers what happened in the past ai can tell um, advertisers what's going to happen in the future and they can tell them what's happening in real time. So it's a much more powerful technology. Um, and it's a technology that can be pervasive. That was the good thing about the cookie. It was everywhere. Um, and the point solutions that we're seeing coming out are some of these short-term solutions, they're not pervasive and that's challenging. But AI can be applied everywhere um, and really, you know, help marketers connect, um, you know, with the right audience.
1: In the examples of um, like campaigns that you've done that use this AI technology, um, are you like are marketers seeing a you know better outcome in the KPIs that they're looking for for campaigns? Like are they getting more clicks? Are they um, getting more you know interest from your audience? Like, I guess, do the KPIs prove out that um, this AI system works better than cookies did for your website or your app yes so we have um several
2: partners that we've been partnering with an advertising space to um use you know this new technology i used it first myself as a publisher right so i i wanted to test my own products that we were building to see if it worked and i actually used our accelerator product um to drive subscriptions Um, and so this is a real-time dynamic creative um tool that can predict, and it can deliver um, many variations of a creative. So I use that on my platform to see if I could drive subscriptions, like would this creative dynamic creative Drive more subscriptions for me than just you know a standard um, display ad, um, and it did it three times as much subscriptions by using this technology. So that was validating for me that then we could use it for our advertising partners. Um, we've seen similar results for our advertising partners, and and this tech can be used on our property or it can be used on any property. It doesn't have to be the Weather Channel. You can use it on any publisher site, um, and so it, it can be used anywhere um, wherever the marketer wants to attract an audience, um, but we've seen with um, CPG brand, um, you know, an energy brand, um, they've, the KPIs that they come into, you know, the campaign with, we've seen improvements of 100% on the KPIs that they were expecting, um, and so it's, um, it's really resonating well and delivering the results that they want to see. The other thing, what's great about this particular solution called Accelerator is, it's efficient because their creative agencies cannot create 40 versions of a display ad. It's not, it's not efficient. But when you apply AI to that, you give it some you know baseline um, images and text. It can create you know dozens of variations uh, that then can be applied. Um, you know, more on a personalized level to a consumer. So it it would attract a consumer um, differently. And so it it may be based on location and maybe you get one ad that looks this way in the South versus, you know, the Midwest, et cetera. Um, And so that's very powerful too because a creative agency doesn't want to create 40 variations of an ad, right? Um, And so there's efficiency on the creative agency side um, as well.
1: When you say that it it doesn't have to be used, you know, just on your own O&O properties? Like this can be technology used on um, other sites. Does that mean you're licensing out this like advertising solution um, to other publishers or how does that kind of work?
2: Yeah. So all of the tech that we're creating is open. Um, And so, you know, it is, is meant to, um, you know, protect the open web. So, Our tech can be used by publishers. It can be used by brands and marketers on any publishing site. Um, And it also is integrated into several DSPs and our partners. So it's really um, tech that can be used across the ecosystem. Um, We've just used our publishing platform as a testbed for it um, and certainly can offer it to our uh, marketers and, and customers but really, it's it's tech that can be used across the entire ecosystem. And, and we've had several partnerships with, um, you know, several DSPs and SSPs, um, you know, in, in bringing this tech, um, you know, to brands and marketers. Um, and then we're also collaborating with them on, you know, new things in the future.
1: So that's kind of like a, a separate. Well, I guess that would be like IBM's kind of revenue stream then. Um, that's not only feeding back into the weather channels, like revenue, right? Like that's a, that's a separate line of business.
2: Um, Well, it's all my business. So it it all, it's all under the kind of the same umbrella, um, you know, because we, we can use it on our platform or we can use it elsewhere. I think, you know, the message is that, you know, if AI is going to transform our advertising industry, then it really has to be adopted by the entire ecosystem, And we really think there's a great opportunity for IBM and other partners to work together to create solutions, um, you know, to break our addiction of the cookies and identifiers um, and and not to have the need to to have those. Um, AI also, um, you know, can be built to be more privacy forward. Um, And that's really important. Um, And it's, you know... We, like I said, I, we have a history in doing it for cybersecurity, finance, healthcare. I mean, those are industries that privacy is at their core, um, and so mm-hmm. we feel really strongly that AI can strengthen the consumer privacy and advertising as well, and that's extremely important because I wholeheartedly believe that consumer privacy has to be part of every company's DA, DNA in the advertising business. It's 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 important.
1: Right. Yeah. I mean, that's the, you know, big conversation right now is, you know, stripping away the cookies is to preserve privacy and and not tracking and and things like that. So totally makes sense. Um, I guess, like, and I just to make sure I understand because I'm, you know, interested about like the AI works for the Weather Channel because it's connecting like, um, it's connecting location with the weather patterns and it's it's pulling information from the different you know um uh like weather trackers and things like that but you know on a, on another website the weather patterns don't really feed into that right like that's not something that's being translated into um you know how campaigns would work on, say, like a, a lifestyle publisher's website. Like, how does AI look in a different context? How does it like fit for you know a different you know publication or a different um, industry?
2: Yeah. So AI can use whatever signals it's fed, and so um, any publisher, if if they collect location data, um, you know, on their users, you know, through their consent, it can use a DMA. Uh, information for example um, and it can use anyone's first party data that they they collect now you can also feed in weather data into any platform right so so you know you might be on a life lifestyle, lifestyle website as you mentioned but if it's raining outside and the rain you know does cause a certain behavior, an advertiser can still advertise their product because you're still experiencing rain, even though you're looking on a lifestyle website. So, you know, maybe it'd be more endemic to lifestyle. Maybe, um, you know, if it's cold, they're going to, I don't know, show you clothing or, or something like that. So, you know, you can use, um, you can combine data sets. So any publisher, whatever data they have, uh, then they can use other data like weather data um, or retail data, um, you know, to really drive you know, that advertising on any publisher site. Um, And so it's, you know, companies working together, um, you know, in a trustworthy way, you know, to combine some of that unique data sets that that can drive, um, you know, advertising and marketing targeting, you know, across many publisher sites.
1: Okay. So then it becomes like a almost a database of first-party data that's like a shared database, I guess, a first-party data that's collected from the different uh, publishers or brands that are, are using this AI technology um, tech stack, essentially.
2: Well, I would say it's first-party data mixed with other data. So like whether whether necessarily I wouldn't consider first-party data, it is data that, that we develop as a company, but it, it's not consumer data. You know, just a data set, so we can give that weather um, data to to different companies to apply to their first party data. Um, And so, yeah, so I think it's unique data sets like that 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 aren't rooted in um, you know maybe a consumer information.
1: Got it. Got it. Okay. And um, I guess. My final question on like this topic for you and, and looking at the Weather Channel in particular, um, how much of your like advertising business or like the number of campaigns you run, how much um, of them are dependent on your first party, you know, AI strategy right now? And how much um, of your advertising business still uses um, third party cookies to a degree? Yeah, so I think that's an evolution,
2: right? I think there there's quite a mix. I think um you know, I think that's part of the problem because advertisers and brands are still addicted to the cookie. We all are, right? My sellers are. I mean, my sellers are addicted to it. Um, you, know, um, you know, brands are addicted to it. And, and frankly, consumers are addicted to it as well, right? Because they, you know, they want meaningful ads, um, you know, shown as well. So we're all kind of addicted to it. Um, and so we're starting to break that cycle on starting to break that addiction by introducing you know ai solutions and we are you know seeing and hearing from our customers now they're asking about it right what are you doing about third party cookie going away and we're starting hear that from our customers and from brands, which is really good. Um, And so a lot of the work that we've done is very proactive, um, but now the conversation is changing. Um, And I think that that's important. And certainly like announcements that came out today from Google, um, continue and accelerate that conversation in a really meaningful way. Um, And so, you know, I think it there is an adoption, just like we saw the adoption to programmatic. It, it took. There were some early adopters for sure, but then there were other companies that kind of held out to the end. Um, the only thing here is that the end is going to be dictated, um, you know, by the cookie going away. So we are starting to see that adoption, um, and you know, frankly, the more results that we get. Um, you know, from our customers, the more we'll be able to share that more publicly, and um, you know, and continue the education on the benefits of AI.
1: Well, that takes us to the end of this episode. Um, thank you so much, Sherry, for joining us and, and sharing your immense knowledge on this area. Um, it's it's been truly fascinating. Yeah, Kaylee, I appreciate the opportunity. It was a great conversation. So, thank you. All right. Well, that brings us to the end of this episode of the Digiday Podcast. Thank you to everyone for listening. And please don't forget to share this episode with someone who you think would enjoy it. You can even rate us and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if you like. We'll be back next week with another episode.